Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. But how do you answer that question? How do you tell somebody, yes, I know the, the creator of the universe, I know the one who is unknowable? It's quite a difficult question, actually. It's an interesting question to be asked. Um, but do you know that's absolutely why we, we, we come on Sundays to hear the preached word? It's because we need to know what God is like. We do. Um, there's a Christian many years ago, sort of in the early days of the church, called Augustine, and he said, God made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. In other words, we can't really know who we are until we know who he is. We can't really know what we're all about until we begin to have some form of understanding and revelation of what he is all about. And there was a time when that happened quite naturally, before the fall, where you have this phrase where it says that God walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. And you can imagine that those were wonderful times when the created being and the creator were just getting to know one another. And God was revealing who he was to Adam and to Eve. But then when sin comes into the world and when Adam rejects that and decides he's going to go his own way, then that is fractured. That relationship is utterly fractured. And so suddenly then we get a warped opinion of what God is like. And it's only when the Lord Jesus comes that, that suddenly we have someone who reveals to us what God is like. And that's why it's really important to read the Gospels and to linger around the Gospels and to read about the Lord Jesus because he is the one who the Lord sent, the Father sent to reveal what he's like to us. It says he's the image of the invisible God. And so it's really important that we, that we spend time in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reading about the Lord Jesus, because he is the one who reveals to us, with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling as well, what God is like. And when we begin to learn more about what God is like, we begin to learn a little bit more about ourselves and how we should operate in relation to him. And so today we're going to read... Um, a passage, we're going to read a chapter from one of the Gospels, and I want us particularly, while we're just listening to this, it's not going to come up on there, I just thought, sometimes, you know, it's nice to just listen to scripture being read, and so you can have a day off today, and I'm just going to read it to you, and I wonder if as you listen, you can be particularly thinking, what am I learning today as I listen to this about the nature and character of God as it is displayed in the one he sent, the Lord Jesus, who was the one who came to display the character of God to us. Because if we understand him better, then life will go better with us. Do you know, sometimes we can come on a Sunday and we want a sermon to fix our problems, we want some practical solutions, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But actually, primarily, what we should be coming for is to learn more about what he is like. 
because then that will tell me a bit more about what I am like and how I need to submit and surrender to him if life is going to go better for me. So I wonder what you'll pick up as you just listen to this and then I'll pull out a couple of points that, that have really struck me as I've read this passage. So we're reading from John uh, chapter 11 and uh, we're reading from verse 1 right through to verse 45. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. That word friend can also be translated fond one. Our fond one, Lazarus, has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, you'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them at the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
When the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Jesus reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have always heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I've said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are wonderful. We love your presence. We love discovering more about you. We love the way that you deal with us tenderly and with such mercy. We thank you that you are the one who is unchanging. And we pray now, Lord, as we just spend a little time looking at your word and considering it, and what it might mean for us, that you would show us more of yourself, that we might fall more in love with you, that our lives might become a daily reflection of our love and worship for you. And that we will learn joyful submission, surrender, and obedience to you. We ask these things in your name and for your glory's sake. Amen. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. The first thing I want to pull out of this passage is that God's glory is always his first priority. God's glory is always his first priority. And sometimes that may even be at the expense of my comfort or the comfort of those who I love. And that is difficult for me. God's glory is always his priority. 
But sometimes I'm not keen on that if it means for me there's going to be some difficulty and discomfort and pain. I have to understand that there is a difference between a reaction and a response. So let me explain what I mean by that. It is very natural for us to react when God says something that's going to be for ultimately for his glory, but it's going to have some implications in the short term for me, which may be painful or difficult. It's very easy for me to react. Why is it easy for me react to react? Well, because I'm still living in the flesh. Although I'm saved and redeemed, and I have the Holy Spirit living in me, we live in the, in the now and the not yet, where actually we're still living in our fleshly bodies, which still have that residue of rebellion in them from our father Adam. And so I can tell you now that there are many times in my life when I know that I have reacted to God's lordship and to his wanting his glory, I've reacted against it. I can give you some examples of the sorts of things. Maybe somebody has, somebody, a brother or sister in Christ has challenged me about something in my life that needs changing. And I react against that. Or perhaps I've listened to a message on a Sunday where I know that God is speaking to me and calling me to do a particular thing or to give up a particular thing. And I react. Or there's a very obvious door that God is opening that I just do not want to go through. And I react. Do you know what? I think it's helpful for us to know and identify that that's common and natural for us because we are still living in the flesh. However, although my reaction might initially be that, I can choose now to have a different response. I can choose to have a different response. We see a really lovely example of it with Mary, the mother of Jesus. So Mary is told by the angel what's going to happen to her, which to us, looking back on it and with all the the beautiful tinsely effects of nativity plays sounds what, what a wonderful thing Mary was, was asked to do. But actually what she was told was that she was going to be ostracized, she was going to become pregnant before marriage, she was likely going to be rejected by her family and possibly by her fiancé as well. And so actually this was not an easy ask. And Mary, I don't know what her reaction was when she heard that, but we know what her response was. Her response was, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Isn't that a wonderful response? Now, I don't imagine that as Mary's listening to the angel that that's her initial response. She's almost certainly having a different reaction. However, she responds differently. And because we now belong to Christ... When he seeks his glory and yet it doesn't seem to quite fit in with our current agenda, we do have a choice to make, but we have the power to make the right choice now because we have his Holy Spirit in us, which means that 
I can now exercise godly self-control over my instinctive reaction and instead I can respond with submission and surrender and trust. God will always seek his own glory first. It is his top priority. And we need to get used to that fact because it will never change. And so his agenda will always, on occasions, be different to ours. But know yourself well enough to know that although you may have an initial fleshly reaction, you now have the power through Christ to respond differently, to respond in surrender and submission. It says here that Jesus said that it was for God's glory that Lazarus was going to die. And for that very reason, he didn't go back when he could have done. And that would have been hard, and a hard message for Jesus himself, as he realizes that this is what the Father's will is, to not run back to his friends. It says he loved that family, but he didn't do it. He responded in obedience to his father because he wanted the father's glory more than he wanted anything else. So know yourself. Don't be afraid if something happens and you think, I think this might be God speaking, and you have that initial reaction. Don't be afraid of that. But know that you do have the power of God in you to respond differently. The glory of God is always, in the long run, the best outcome for us. It says this, Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And this is amazing, This so listen to this again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, this is how I would have written that verse, were I writing the Bible. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his, her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he dropped everything and he left straight away to be with them. That's how I would have written the Bible. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't do that. Do you know, Jesus could have healed Lazarus in a moment. He already, a few chapters earlier in the book of John, has healed the royal official's son at a distance. And the royal official goes back and asks his servants, when was my son healed? And they say a particular time, and it says that the royal official realised that was the very moment when Jesus had prayed. It's not that Jesus couldn't have done it at a distance. He could have done it at a distance. And yet it's really interesting. It says here, he loved that family. And so, because he loved them, he stayed two more days where he was. That doesn't make sense to us. Until, of course, we read the end of the story. I wonder if we had asked Lazarus and Mary and Martha. In fact, if we asked them now in heaven... What would you have preferred? Would you have preferred the Lord to heal you then and there? What would you have preferred? 
Now, Jesus sometimes talks, doesn't he? Use the, he uses the analogy of a, a mother in childbirth. You know, that the, 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 the pain is excruciating. But at the end, it's, it's almost as if, and I'm treading on dicey ground here, so I'm going to be very careful. <laughs> it's almost as if the mother forgets what went before because they've got this wonderful gift of new life. Jesus uses that sort of analogy. If we were to ask Lazarus, Mary and Martha, and maybe one day we will, what was it like? Do you think they'll remember the painful bit in the middle? Do you think that's what they'll emphasize? Or will it be the wonder of he came out of the tomb? We've never seen anything, we'd never seen anything like it, and not only that, but all the people who were with us mourning, they saw it too, and a whole load more people believed in him because of it. The reality is that when God seeks his own glory, it is not only better for him, it is better for us in the long run. In the long run. We are playing the long game. Now, for some people who go through difficulty and trauma and tragedy and challenge, there is not a Lazarus experience in this life. But for all who love the Lord, there will be a Lazarus experience in the next. For every one of us, for every person who goes through difficulty and challenge and heartache, if you belong to Christ, then there is the opportunity for him to be glorified through it. And he will either be glorified through it in this life for you, or he will be glorified through it in the next. Always, when he is glorified, it is better for us in the long run. Sometimes the Lord's delay is for his greater glory and our greater blessing. So, hold on in there when it's tough. Do you know what else? The Bible says that we were made for God's glory. It says this in Isaiah 43. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who's called by my name, who I created for my glory. When our lives are involved in the process of bringing him glory, we're actually doing what we were made for. Even though it may not feel like it at the time, if you surrender and allow him to have his way and don't try and force his arm and don't rebel against him and you surrender even when it feels like there's going to be a great cost and sacrifice, do you know what? You're doing what you were made for. You were made for his glory. And in the end, when we do what we've been made for, we feel more satisfied than in anything else we might put our hand to. You know, you sometimes know it yourself, don't you? If you're doing something and you just think, God, I was made to do this. If you're a creative person, if God's given you the gift of 
of music and you're a musician or or you're an administrator and you've just you can work with figures and you can just you can just work with them in a, in a way that other people can't you you can see solutions to things and suggest solutions to people and they just say yeah no that's that's it you're particularly pastoral and you and you spend some time with someone you have a conversation with them and they, they just find it so helpful it points them to the lord and suddenly things change when you do what you were made for doesn't it bring you a wonderful sense of satisfaction that's not like anything else I tell you, there are times when I've spent time with people and I've just, I've come out of it and thought, you couldn't pay me for that, for that experience of what that's been like. Lord, I, I feel you made me for that. God made us for his glory and he is always going to bring glory out of your life if you will surrender to it. And that means you will be deeply satisfied when you allow him to use you in the way he's made you to be used even if that means that at times there will be pain and there's sacrifice and it's tricky. Always. It's better for us when he's glorified. What about that messy bit in the middle? What about when God delays? When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet And said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Jesus allows Mary to pour out her grief And if you read the words, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I imagine there was a hint of blame and anger in that. But does the Lord rebuke her? No, he doesn't. In our community group, we've been reading through a number of the Psalms. And uh, this week we did Psalm 77 where the psalmist just pours out a rant at God. Do you know what? God's shoulders are broad enough. We can be totally honest with him. In fact, we must be totally honest with him about how we are feeling when things are not going well, when it appears like he's doing exactly the opposite to what will be good for us. And he invites us to pour out our complaint before him. But, you know, there's something very, very special about how Mary does it. And let me recommend this approach to you. It says that Mary falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She falls at his feet. That's a good place to be when you're complaining to God. On your knees. On your knees. It's very different to people who complain at God like this and walk away. Do you know what? If you do that, you absent yourself from his comfort. But if you complain, God, I do not get this. You are on your knees. Then you are placing yourself where you can be comforted and where you can know his comfort. So complain but do it on your knees.
do it on your knees. It says Jesus is moved and troubled. That word uh, troubled and that that phrase moved and troubled, it's a very difficult uh, phrase apparently to interpret in the Greek. Uh, In one Greek word it says thundered. It's not a moved and troubled, it's an indignation. Jesus is indignant at what he sees. Do you know why? Because Jesus hates death. He hates it. Some friends of mine are a few years ago, had a stillborn baby. And uh, it, was a, it was an incredibly painful time for them. And uh, one of the pastors from their church visited them. And the, the mum said, I'm just, I just feel, I feel so angry about it. And the pastor said, yeah, that's fine, because you know what? God is angry about death too. That's why he's done something about it. God is angry about death. God is angry that, that death has had to come into the world. Do you know what? When we are going through the pain and agony of sin, it might not be our own sin. It might be the result even of somebody else's. God is angry on our behalf. He is indignant. And that indignancy is what led him to send his son to die so that death for us would not look like that anymore. He is indignant too. Don't think that God is pink and fluffy. Don't think that he's just there to say they're there. Do you know what? He is there to do that, and it's blessed when he does that for us. But there is also a sense of indignancy that moves his arm to act when you are suffering. That's what happened. Mary is on her knees and she is weeping and Jesus is indignant and he acts. Do you know what? God is indignant when we suffer. He is with us when we suffer. He comforts when we suffer. He is indignant when when we suffer and he acts. He acts. Jesus weeps with them. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weakness. But one who was tested at all points as we are, yet was without sin. He weeps with us. I, I remember uh, pouring out my heart some years ago to some friends and just about a, a, a life situation that, and that I'd got myself into and it was a bit messy and I just messed up. And I was pouring out my heart to these friends and I was sobbing. And I looked up and the wife of my friends was also sobbing. There were tears streaming down her face. She wasn't experiencing the pain I was, but she was experiencing pain on my behalf. I tell you, I've never forgotten that. That sense of she could identify with me. This isn't her pain, but somehow my pain has touched her. It was, it was powerful. It was comforting to me. And that's what Jesus demonstrates here. He weeps with them. And he weeps with us when we go through suffering. I don't know about you, but I have known times when I have been on my knees before him weeping and I have sensed his tender touch. He weeps with us when we are in the middle, 
when we are in that messy middle of life. He weeps with us. Yes, he has determined that his glory is his priority. He will bring it to pass and it will be the best thing for us. And in the middle, he weeps with us when we weep. What a saviour. What a saviour. I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another comforter. Jesus always knew his disciples would need comfort. And so he sends another comforter to us, the Holy Spirit. Jesus does not leave us as orphans. He comes to us. One last thing before I finish. And we read this. It's just, it's really struck me when I read this. I don't know if it struck you when you heard me read it, but there's one last bit. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. And then a little bit later, Martha goes back and it says she calls her sister aside and says, the teacher is here, he's asking for you. It doesn't tell us why Mary didn't go the first time, does it? Some commentators think she just didn't hear that Jesus had arrived, so maybe she just hadn't heard. You know what? I wonder whether there was something in Mary that thought, you should have been here before now. She stayed where she was. She stayed in the house. She stayed mourning. She didn't go. Until Martha comes back and says, teacher's asking for you. And then what does she do? She runs. Do you know, sometimes we need people to come to us when we're in the middle of it and say, teacher's asking for you. Sometimes I need you to do that for me and sometimes you may need me to do that for you. Martha doesn't come and try and give Mary loads of platitudes. She doesn't give her advice. She doesn't even say, the Lord told me. What she says is, the Lord's asking for you. The teacher's asking for you. She points towards Jesus. And sometimes, I need you to point me towards Jesus. And sometimes you might need me to point you towards Jesus. It's what being church is all about. Have your eye open for those who are going through it. Have your eye open and be ready to point them to the teacher. The teacher's asking for you. And be like Mary. If someone does come to you and you know that you are in that position where you are mourning or you are just a little bit fractious and actually you're a bit resentful because God should have done this for us long ago and you are resentful and somebody comes to you and points you towards him, do you know what? Run. (coughs) Run. Mary could have stayed in the house. She would have forfeited the comfort that was to be hers. But she ran. Run. 
shall we pray. Lord Jesus, we, we say in the words of the old hymn, Hallelujah, what a saviour. Because you are a high priest who knows our needs. Lord, we pray that you will help us to always submit and surrender to your glory. That just as that is your top priority, increasingly that will become our top priority in our lives. That we will hold on in faith when we don't see the outworking of it straight away. That we will believe, just as Martha said, I believe. That we will believe, even when we don't see the solution and the outcome, that we will believe, no, God's in this. It will be for his glory. That we will hold on to the fact that when you get glorified, it's far better for us in the long run too. And that you are with us when we are in the messy middle bit. And that when it seems like you are delaying, it is often for your greater glory and our greater blessing. We ask that you might imprint these things about yourself upon our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I think we're going to end it there, but um, I, would, I would challenge you in your uh, personal time this week, listening to what I um, um, say to you, to think about um, that last point about can you, is there anyone that you feel like? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.